You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to do for each other when we're in a pickle, when we're in a fix, when we're struggling with different things that we're about to sin, when things are right in front of us, we need to say, no, look to the Lord. That's what brothers and sisters do for each other. We're supposed to look out for each other. We're supposed to protect each other. We're in a battle, folks, a major battle. And it's a life and death situation. It's a major battle. We need to look out for one another. We need to take care of one another. In tense situations, it's easy to get swept up in the extreme emotion of the moment and make rash, sinful decisions. It's difficult to watch people on the brink of sin like this. Today, Pastor Dave will explain how you may be called by God to intervene with calmness to return a brother's eyes away from anger and back upon the Lord. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 as he continues his message. David loses a friend, discovers an enemy, and takes a wife. We must be on guard at all times. Our enemy roars about like a lion seeking whom he can devour. And he wants to devour you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to devour you. He wants to take you out of the picture. And he'll use any means that he can. And if we're not on our guard, we can fall for it. I have fallen for it sometimes. We can fall for it. Peter exhorts us to be clear-headed, sober, to be watchful, to be vigilant. Because Satan has not been bound up and he hasn't been restrained for a thousand years, according to Revelation 21 and 2. He's still around. At this present time, he still roars around like a lion, looks around. And guess what? At this present time, he can even access the throne room of God and accuse you. He's the accuser of the brethren. The simple secret to spiritual warfare, according to Peter, steadfast resistance. Steadfast resistance. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Steadfast resistance. As we are steadfast in our faith, we resist the devil's lies and the threats. We resist his imitation and he flees from us. See, this resist word comes from two Greek words, stand and against. Peter says, stand against the devil. The devil can be set running by the resistance of the lowliest believer. You may think you're the lowliest believer in town, but if you stand and resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's what it says in scriptures. Now, if you don't believe that, why does he run? Why does he run? Because you're coming in the authority of the cross. You're coming in the authority of the cross. You're standing on the authority of what happened at the cross. And if it's one thing the slime ball knows, he was defeated at the cross. He knows he was defeated at the cross. Resist. Be more prayerful every time he's more active. Continue to pray and resist. He's going to give up. And Peter ends by saying, knowing that the same sufferings that everyone's going through are just like the ones you're going through. That should give us great hope, knowing that we're not alone. 
We're not standing here all by ourselves in our suffering. Not standing here all by ourselves in our temptation. So as we move on, we see the Lord graciously steps in and arranges for a woman to enter and keep David from acting rashly and very foolishly. She's Abigail. Let's look at 14 through 38. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by night and day, and every time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisin, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Must have been a lot of donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So it was, as she rode the donkey on a donkey, she went down under the cover of a hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. David was hot. He's ready to wipe them all out. He's ready to kill them. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from her donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity fall. Excuse me? She's taking responsibility. She's taking responsibility for her husband's actions. She's standing right here in front of David and said, It's my fault. Wow. And be pleased, let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please, let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom sent. Therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held back, held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be his neighbor. And now this present, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord. Listen to how many times she calls him Lord. How many times she raises him up. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies shall he shall sling out as from the pocket of sling. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart, my Lord, even that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, 
Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel leaves, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nadal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was very merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine was gone that his wife told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became like stone. Then it happened after 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Wow. You know, sometimes the Lord uses people to accomplish his will and people don't even know that they're doing it. This young servant that went to Abigail is that person that the Lord was using and he didn't recognize that the Lord was using him. He goes to him. He went to her because she was a wise and prudent woman. He tells her of the conversation that David's men had been the doll. And he says, then he reviled him. You know what revile means? It means to treat with contemptible language. He reviled them. He spewed nasty things at them. The servant told Abigail that David and his men, what David and his men did for them in the wilderness. And upon hearing the conversation, the servant knew that it wasn't going to turn out well for Nabal. As he went back and told David. This was an insult that David wasn't going to take lightly. He was basically, this servant was saying, Mistress, you must intervene. You've got to take care of this or we're all going to die. Remember, Abigail was already introduced to us as a good understanding and beautiful woman. She knew that she had to act quickly and there wasn't much time. So she gathers up a few things. (laughs) You saw the list. And she goes out looking for David. David speaking harshly. David's still hot. He's mad. He's going to get these guys. He's going to get these guys. He vowed the massacre of the whole clan. He's going to get these guys. David was accurate, but his heart wasn't right. Why? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. David was seeking vengeance on his own. The Lord didn't tell him to go take care of Nabal. This was something David was getting in the way of. This was David. David was on the brink of doing a major sin. David was on the brink of a major trespass that would have been so bad for him. May God do so more to me if I leave one male standing. David was mad. He was planning to massacre everybody. And this is what everybody expected. But God called David to go further than what the world expected. God was preparing him for a throne. And what struck me, God always calls us to go further as Christians. To go further than what the world expects. You know, the world only goes so far. The world only goes so far. God expects Christians to go further. To go further in our relationships. To go further in our giving. To go further in our love. To go further carrying the message of Jesus Christ. To go further than we should or expect it. Jesus talked about that. Somebody wants your coat, give it to them. Give them two. Somebody wants to go a mile with them, go two miles. You know the scripture. We're supposed to go further than what the world would do. 
Abigail reaches David just before he's ready to attack. She apologizes for her actions. She bows before David and calls him Lord no less than 17 times. No less than 17 times in this one thing. She proves to be a woman of faith. She believed that David was God's king. You heard the scripture. She believed that he was going to be ruler of all Israel. And she said Saul was just a mere man. She confessed that her husband was a worthless fellow. And he lived up to his name full. And she accepts the blame. She appealed in the utmost humility. She didn't come to David as a superior, which she could have because she was rich. And that's what a lot of times people do who have a lot of money. They come because they think they're superior just because they have wealth. She didn't even come as an equal. She came to David as a humble servant and humbled herself before him. She did things right. She immediately went to work. She knew it was an urgent situation. Her first words to David, she immediately takes blame on me, on me. Put this iniquity on me. She asked permission to speak to him instead of going up to him and started railing at him because she knew his position. She suggested a positive outcome for David. The Lord has held you back from becoming bloodshed and is avenging yourself with your own hand. The Lord's doing that. Look to the Lord. She took David's eyes off of Nabal and put them on the Lord. I love that. That's what we need to do for each other when we're in a pickle, when we're in a fix, when we're struggling with different things and we're about to sin, when things are right in front of us, we need to say, no, look to the Lord. That's what brothers and sisters do for each other. We're supposed to look out for each other. We're supposed to protect each other. We're in a battle, folks, a major battle. And it's a life and death situation. It's a major battle. We need to look out for one another. We need to take care of one another. David was angry. He was agitated. He was clearly close to sinning if he wasn't in sin already. Abigail puffed him up, spoke to him in high terms, made him know that the Lord loved him. You fight the Lord's battle and you're very victorious. She reminded him of the Lord's promise. You're going to be king. The Lord will certainly make you king one day. She she reminded him of God's promises. And this is what we're supposed to do for each other. We're supposed to remind each other of God's promises. Encouragement. We can't get through this on our own. We need each other. We are a family. We're a group of like-minded believers in Jesus Christ. We're a fellowship of believers. Abigail said to David, don't do something now that you're going to regret later. Don't do that thing now. Now, she didn't ask her husband's approval to go, and this in this culture was not very good. Not very good that she didn't ask for her husband's permission to leave. She did openly criticize her husband. She openly criticized her husband in front of David, who would be king. This is a no-no. You know, it's a no-no now, too, because many people who are having marital problems, you know, many people come to me for counseling a marital problem. The first thing they want to do is they start dissing on the other one. And I say to them, wait a minute. I'm going to have to see this person one of these days. I don't want you to fill my mind with all this mush. And they're usually not satisfied with telling me. They tell you and 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 you. And And sometimes I want to say, there's a person walking across the street. You better go over there and tell them too. Keep it to yourself. 
Keep it to yourself. Why? Because that person who you're dissing, you'll make up with, your husband or your wife, you'll make up with, you'll be all kissy-kissy, and they'll come on the door and we'll go, <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. She openly criticized her husband. And she talked about David's future consideration about being king. And I love this verse. The life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as a pocket of a sling. This is about the strongest point that she used. You're like a little bundle that the Lord holds closely, David. And he loves you so much. And you know what? Your enemies are going to just fade away, and they're all going to go. And it's basically his prophecy, because this is what happens for a while. She basically says, David, act like a man who's close to the Lord. (laughs) She basically calls him out. Act like a man who says he loves God. Sometimes we need to be told that. Sometimes we need to be told to act like men who love God. Sometimes you need to be told to act like women who love God. We need to be told that because our actions don't appear that way sometimes. In other words, Abigail focused David's attention off of Nabal and back to the Lord. Her appeal was so glorious because it lifted David up instead of tearing him down. So often when we see someone in the sin, we want to tear them down. Ah, sinner. What? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who are we to condemn? Who are we to point? Who are we to say someone sinned? She didn't do it by being negative. She built him up by emphasizing how wrong he could have been and that being angry was stupid. She emphasized David's calling and his destiny as king and the integrity of his life. She focused on the Lord. David was on a sinful course. He was on a sinful course and if she didn't appeal that to his nature, if she didn't try to stop him, he was going to have a major problem. He knew God spoke to him through Abigail. David knew that. He had been taught a good lesson. Our hurt feelings are never a reason to disobey God. Let me repeat that. Our hurt feelings are never a reason to disobey God. When others sin against us, we may feel justified in sinning against them, but we are never justified. Never justified. David was man enough to take this counsel. David was man enough to take this counsel. And I like that about David. I really do. He knew the issue wasn't Abigail's gender, but that God was using her at that time. This was unheard of for a woman to give a man this type of advice in this day. It was looked down upon. It was unheard of. David received it. He took what she had brought. Remember, she came bearing gifts. She did come bearing a lot of gifts. And they were hungry. And they were, they were ready to eat. But Nabal dies. She goes back. David relents. She goes back. And she doesn't tell her husband right away because of the, the party that's going on. But it says, so it was in the morning when the wine was gone from Nabal that his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. He had a stoneful heart anyhow, but his heart died within because he was so angry. He was holding a feast. He didn't even care 
or know that his life was in imminent danger. He didn't know that his wife just saved his life. He gets drunk and he thinks everything's fine and the world's going to be great. When you continue to reject God and you continue to reject God not thinking that there's judgment to come, this is what happens. God judged Nabal and he died. He died. His heart within him became like a stone. He struck him and he died. Abigail's wide action saved Nabal from David's hand and saved David from himself, but it could not save Nabal from God's judgment. You've got to be extremely careful. You've got to be extremely careful. In verse 39, through the rest of the chapter, so when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent to us to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, or Michelle, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Lashes, who was from Galim. David lost a friend. He had an enemy, and he gets a wife. And he gets a wife. Was it appropriate? Was it appropriate for David to take this lady as his wife, considering being married to King Saul's daughter? Well, not in 1827. The writer of 1 Samuel explains that David wasn't married to his daughter. So it was appropriate for him to take his wife. And I like this. I forget which commentary wrote it. Abigail is not really David's second wife. She is his second first wife. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. David also took another woman to be his wife. So he had two wives. I'm not even going to go there. So was it appropriate? It wasn't directly sin because God hadn't commanded against it. But remember... It goes against God's ideal plan for marriage. God's ideal plan for marriage is one woman, one man. Back in Genesis. Not good for man to be alone. That's God's ideal marriage. David was a man of great passions, and he's going to end up with many, many wives. And because he never really followed God's plan for marriage, he's going to have a lot of family trouble in the future. Many believe that that's part of it because he didn't follow God's plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage is clearly displayed in Genesis. It's clearly displayed. So, more in the life of David. We only have a few chapters left in 1 Samuel. David, once again, is going to be in a cave. Saul's going to come in, and he's going to do the same thing, spare Saul again. You are sure. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.